0: All right, let's, let's talk about the West and defending NL champions, the Calgary Roughnecks.
1: The Calgary Roughnecks, defending champions, uh, something that they have been striving for for uh, a decade, I guess. Uh, they're in Cowtown. They got it done last year. I guess the biggest story out of Calgary this year, Jamie, has got to be the, the six-game suspension for the reigning MVP of the regular season and playoffs uh doby won't be playing until february the 22nd so they'll wow. definitely miss uh 44 in their lineup but uh, still have not lost a game since jesse king has stepped into their lineup uh, i don't know if you knew that or not i did but, uh uh, pretty impressive stuff there for the man I like to call the natural. And then, uh, of course, they got Curtis Dixon, Tyron Hayes over on the other side, uh, Reese Dutch still uh, rehabbing his injury, but uh, some nice young talent on their back end as well. Sheen Simpson, uh, Reese Cowleys, Eli Salama. Uh, and then they got the phenom, of course, in goal in, in Christian Del Bianco, uh, who I, I just—I've been calling him Del Bianco for my entire life. Had him on uh, Lax Plus a couple of weeks ago, and he corrected me. uh and I, well, no, he didn't. I got him to read a promo off for me, like, "Hey, you're listening to Lacrosse Plus by this is Christian Del Bianco," and I was like, wow. "Del Del Bianco." Del uh, I said, Bianco. "Christian," uh, he goes, "Well, I don't really." You know, it's not a big deal. And I was like, Christian, like, is that how you say your last name? He said, yeah, it's Delby. So, so, and now it's on me to change the the entire lacrosse world's, uh, you
0: know. Delby Can, be Can we just beam back to game five of the Minto Cup championship in twenty? Anytime,
1: anytime you want, man. Anytime you want. I, just, yeah. I mean, I'm this
0: was the most unbelievable sporting event I'd ever seen. Of course, I had, you know, I had a horse in the race and all, but. You know, to be able to watch him win game one with a three-two victory. I mean, this guy was so incredible. And then he almost single handedly won it with 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 a pulled goalie, an Orangeville shot that might have been a couple seconds too early. He makes the save, gathers it, throws it and misses by a couple of inches. I mean
1: I still maintain that if that goal would have went in That would have been the craziest thing I'd ever seen in sports. Yeah. Never mind lacrosse. Like, that would have been the – so, just to, to redo this thing here, it's game five. It's the deciding game. The series is tied at two. It's the dying seconds of regulation of the deciding game in a tie game. Orangeville has final possession. They pulled their goaltender, and I believe it was Hogarth, Shot the ball with about four seconds to go. Bianco makes the save. Fires the ball down the turf. It's on a perfect line towards the goal as time is winding down. Like three seconds, two seconds. The ball is bouncing down the floor. And if it goes in, they, they win the Minto Cup in the deciding game at the buzzer. Yeah. And this thing bounces over top of the middle of the crossbar. Like it went dead center and it went over the crossbar by about four inches. And you, they pan back like, and I'm losing my mind here going like, this is going to happen. And then it doesn't. And they pan back to Del Bianco and he's standing at the bench smiling with his backup goaltender going, oh, well, I guess we're going to overtime and and then goes on to make uh, an incredible stop in in you know, OT, you know, at the Windmill and and uh, oh, unbelievable.
0: And, then, and let's remember and who was on to, that team. You know, you you had Hogarth, Joel Tinney, Sharleen Davies yeah. was uh the 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 leading scorer of the tournament. Delps had to have been the the, the MVP, but Sharleen Davies yeah. was uh
1: unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. So yeah, and and yeah, they they go on to win that thing, but uh just the whole scenario and the drama yeah, of it all. It was amazing, around. honestly. And uh, one of
0: his teammates, you mentioned him earlier, the captain of the Adanax in 2019, Tyler Pace, who scored, who was, who was so banged up that whole yeah. series. You know, yeah. and He had more things. He was like a human band-aid. And somehow he scored a couple of the most incredible goals ever. Um, but um, I did a webinar with Tyler last year, and, You know, I've always been a fan of his game. He played at the University of Denver, so smooth, won a national championship there amongst a a lot of other great players like, you know, Wesley Berg and and Zach Miller and, you know, a bunch of guys. But listening to him articulate what he does and what he thinks about was absolutely incredible. Um, He is so smart um, and he is so thoughtful about
1: everything he does, about the way he does the stick, the way everything he does. I think uh that probably comes from his mother sandy and and um, you know, I know you've met sandy jamie and uh he's obviously raised right and and he's a very bright young intelligent kid and and uh you know he's got his got his own business now with the pacific coast lacrosse uh academy and and he's doing great things here in b c helping uh kids at the high school level get get scholarships uh here in the lower mainland you know it's kind of uh it's kind of about Claremont over there on the island and Darren Reisig and all what the, all those guys are doing on on Vancouver Island and and here it's uh, about Pacific Coast and, and Tyler Pace. So he's got some great coaches with him and Connor Robinson and uh, Curtis Dixon and, and Del Bianco, one of those guys as well. So uh, nice little thing going there. And and Tyler Pace uh, always been a big T Pace guy. He's he's uh, he's a fun player to watch play the game. Plays hard. Plays yeah. really hard. And yeah. and uh, his hard. compete level is really high and his skill level is really high.
0: When you think about cyborgs, I kind of, I kind of put Curtis Dixon in the classification yeah. of a cyborg. I mean, that guy is a freak in his own right. I mean, he is—he's just- a genetic
1: freak. Yeah, I, I've never seen a guy's body be able to twist and contort, and then his his quicks, like it. The the his ability to beat guys one on one and be able to twist and turn and I, I just bend. It's it's crazy to see like he does things that don't seem humanly possible or should be able to do and he can do them and and he does them at a high like a high speed and a a high level as well which um is is super impressive for for a you know pale-faced uh redhead (laughs) to see that is it's crazy man like it you don't expect it like you look at him he's kind of unassuming and it's like oh yeah look. And then all of a sudden, he's just torching guys one-on-one and, and flying through the air and burying balls. So.
0: He goes to the rack, you know, like none other. And yeah. he can really shoot it. And that's an incredibly deadly combination to be able to and shoot it. His underpatented underhand shot is off the charts, but he goes to the rack as well as anybody in the game.
1: Well, that's what makes him so dangerous. Because if, you, if you're like, okay, I'm not, I'm not getting beat. To the inside here or i'm not getting beat underneath and you're like i'm taking this away and he's like oh okay, yeah i'll just i'll just let it fly on the subter and and, and pick the top corner so and then once you start to cheat out on him okay like i gotta respect his outside shot here and then he's gone to the cage and he's even better finishing inside so he's uh for me he is the toughest one-on-one matchup yeah. in in the league yeah barna yeah. barna and by the way like
0: he'll He'll blow by, you know, on, on, on like a two-man game. He'll go underneath on his guy, you know, and then he will run by that switch to the top side, like they were not even there. I mean, it's really remarkable how he, his agility and his ability. He's it's 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 like the Matrix, you know, where he just like things slow down for him because if you really watch, and I have a lot of the highlights over the years, the the, the reactions and the things he does with this combination of agility and faking and. And angles of shooting, yeah. it's, it's really – got to watch him.
1: Yeah. Uh, even when, even when uh, they are shorthanded and there's two guys checking him, he still gets his shot off. It may not be as good of a shot as a one-on-one, yeah. but he'll be two guys to get his shot, no problem. Not, now, Dane not, Dobie, not many guys can do that.
0: Dane Doby, as you mentioned, the biggest story, uh, reigning MVP. Dane Doby is how old, 33 or something like that? Oh, he might be pushing 35, 35, a lefty, um, a a cyborg of an athlete.
1: He's a, (laughs) he's a, he's a, he's a genetic freak for sure. I don't He's a genetic freak, but, uh, but he's not exactly a cyborg. No, like you would think if you saw Dean Dobie walking down the street, you'd go like, there's a, there's a plumber or there's a construction worker that, uh, you know, is 20 years into, into the job and, and, you know, uh, He used to, you know, for people that don't know, Dane, Dane used to be a pretty heavy drinker and and smoker and um, early in his career and, and still got it done at a real high level. He's, he's cleaned that part of his life up now. And he's, he's a, he's a family man with a, with a young child now and, and um, has changed that kind of part of his life. But the, the look. You know, kind of the greasy hair and the dirty mustache and uh Amazing. it was funny it was funny at the, the the Warriors game, uh the home opener where Paul Biss and Ed nasty was there and and uh you know they were talking I'm like, Oh, what'd you think about trying out for the Warriors and how was training camp? And and his comment was, uh, Well, I think I just tried out for the wrong team because I look over on the Calgary Roughnecks and their captain's got a beer gun. <laughs> so so, but you know what? When how does he uh, do it though? How does he do it because I don't this know. guy
0: literally okay? I
1: don't know. He, he scores fifty goals a year. He what he won this he puts up fifty a year, right? Like he'll score fifty a year. He'll he'll be over a hundred points. He'll be right near the top of the standings. For me, the most impressive like he's one of the best finishers in the game. Like right? where if he's got you one on one with the goaltender, I'm taking Dane Dolby nine out of ten times to score the goal. And and I don't know where he finds the gear that he finds, but there's nobody in the in the, the game that is quicker from stepping off the bench on a diagonal path to the front of the goal than Dane Dobe. And and he just seems to find this: hey, I'm gonna get a scoring opportunity and a breakaway here, so I'm gonna run extra fast. And then and then when he's not really in the play, it's like it's like watching slow motion. So it's it's really weird. When when it's time to turn it on. He's ultra quick, and when when he's not uh, involved, then it's kind of like uh, I'll, I'll get back to the bench when I get there, sort of thing. He
0: just he just fakes like his his deception is a huge part of it because he he literally it's like kind of like you know if you have a ball and you can fake your dog out, and yeah. if you buy you can always buy time with your dog you know by by faking it away, and and that's just what he does better than anybody. His patented behind the back shot as he's coming top side as a left. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. I mean, there's a lot of guys, Sean Evans does that shot a lot. There's a lot of guys that have kind of done that shot, but it seems like he does he executes that behind the back short side shot where he's kind of selling far side the goal. He steps yeah. off his pipe a little bit. Yeah. He slides it in there effortlessly.
1: Yeah. Uh, Tracy koleski is probably the best I've ever seen oh, at yeah. it. Yeah. Um but but Doby is real good at it and and I think what makes him so difficult to stop as a goaltender is that, you know, most shooters have their favorite two kind of shots. Like, they have their favorite corner that they always like to shoot for, and if the goalie's going to take that away, they'll set you up. Mm-hmm. That they're going to shoot to that corner, and they'll go somewhere else. But where they go is always the same place. Dane Dobie will go low, high, left, right, five hole, around the back, uh, blind, over the head, underneath, doesn't overhand, underhand. And, and when you got a guy that does that, and, you, and Crawford's probably the same kind of thing, like, they just change where they shoot all the time, and goalies cannot get a book on them or a read on them, and that's why they score so much.
0: The other thing that he does that is, I've been so interested in watching is the way he sets up his two-man games. Yeah. So, you know, if you steal for him, he'll come over the top and, and bury it, but what he does so well is he just sort of sits in the middle between a switch and his own man. And then eventually they're afraid of him shooting. And he kind of invites you right over the top, right? He'll, like, he'll pull you. He'll One guy, he'll invite that guy to think he can, like, actually play him. And then the guy gets slightly chipped. But as soon as they commit to that, they can't switch yeah. anymore, right? They're committed to going over the top. And now he's just walking in, faking his way to the net and either, like, dumping it to a wide-open roll, man, or just burying it, and he gets all the way to the goal.
1: So he's got, he's got a – excellent i don't know if it's stay with me here but he's got an excellent reverse crowbar so instead of going top like you, you know, posting up and then hooking, he'll roll underneath so he takes his other hand on hand of off seat. yeah he, but he goes underneath with yeah. it and that's how he gets the leverage on you and he's so short and stocky but yeah. in his low center of gravity when he ducks, like he's impossible to check. When he's ducking yeah. over, protecting the ball, rolling away from you, and and then that's all he needs is a half a step to to get loose.
0: The reverse one hand crowbar, by the way, was MJ. The great Michael Jordan used to do that every time he would. Spin. I've, push I've heard of that.
1: him. I've He'd heard that. of him. Yeah. Yeah. Doby, um, MJ. It's like looking in the mirror.
0: <laughs> Both freaks. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned Jesse King um jesse king is an absolute stallion of an athlete victoria guy played at ohio state um suffered a, a knee injury a couple of yes, years that that's before. bad injuries yeah, yeah. set him back a little bit but this guy's a freak too and to be able for these guys to be able to pick him up from georgia i think right yeah for katoni
1: oh wow yeah yeah what a so, I mean, Jesse kind of put his time in down in Georgia and it's a long travel from Victoria to, to Duluth on a, you know, every second weekend. So, uh, Jesse's had some real bad luck with injuries, especially having to miss out on man cops. Like, I, I remember his, his, I want to say his sophomore year at Ohio State, you know, he had to go back to school and had to miss the man cop. The next year, he blew his knee out. The following year, like this last year, he, he broke his thumb and couldn't play in the man cops So... He's had some real bad luck of Georgia winning the championship while he was injured with them. Mm-hmm. So although he got a ring, he didn't really feel like he was a part of things and then goes to Calgary. His first year in Calgary, they still haven't lost with him in the lineup and, and they win the win the championship. So um, he's like I said, he's the man I like to call the natural and, and he just, he makes the game look easy. And the biggest thing with Jesse is that he just kind of takes what what's given to him. But he's one of those guys that makes everybody else around him better. And and that is probably the ultimate trait as a lacrosse player to have, right? Like some guys can be superstars and and just blow your doors off with their athletic ability or their shooting or whatever. But it's the guys that make other people better that impress me the most, right? And and that is Jesse King.
0: The Phil Podcast is brought to you in part by the JM3 Coaches Training Program, now featuring a seven-day free trial period. And here's your host, Jamie Monroe, with more information on how you can get your hands on some of the best lacrosse content out there for free. How's it going, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to my podcasts. I've had so much fun doing them. I only wish that I'd started recording my lacrosse conversations like 25 or 30 years ago. Now, if you like these podcasts, you will love the content I've created in the JM3 coaches training programs and the academies. Whether you're a coach or a player or a parent, there's so much great information for you guys. I've done this content for men's lacrosse and women's lacrosse, for box lacrosse, field lacrosse, youth lacrosse. And the great news is I've created a seven day free trial. So if you're tired of endlessly searching the internet for great content. Just go to www.jm3sports.com free trial. You can get access to all of the content I've created for free for seven days. Trust me, when you take a look at it, you're going to want more. Almost everybody gets hooked. All right, enjoy the rest of the podcast. Let's talk about the Saskatchewan rush, uh, yes. An elite, an elite uh, group of players that have won championships um, yeah. and seem to have, I don't know, started slowly the last couple of years, um, but led by Mark Matthews, who I actually recruited to the University of Denver. You so, did? I did.
1: I did not know that. I did not know that. And hey, listen, uh, Saskatoon slowly kind of becoming my my second home. So I I, I got lots of love for Saskatoon, but um Mark Matthews, uh, there's another guy, you know, I talked about, I've talked about the nicknames and having, you know, names for, for some of the upper echelon players in the league. And, and as you know, I like to call Mark Matthews, the mailman. Um, I saw Mark back in 2008, I want to say at the U19 world championships in Coquilla and that was the first look I had at Mark Matthews. And I thought like this guy, you could tell was going to be special from an early, pretty early age. And, and always delivered. Uh, I went with M, Mark Matthews, M, MM, M, Mailman, M, MM. M. Always delivering was Mark Matthews. So uh, it just kind of came into my head, and i have stuck with it. It's starting to finally catch on. It took a while to get the mailman going. But uh, anyways, I like this guy is right at the top of my list as far as uh, some of my favorite players to watch. He's a big athletic lefty, uh, can smoke it and, and sting corners, and uh, he can beat you on the dodge. And then just a phenomenal distributor of the, of the ball as well and and quarterback on the power play. And, uh, you know, like Denver, some of his best highlights have come out of Denver. I think about that sick toe drag that he'd walked like three guys yeah. through and and he's had some phenomenal highlights uh, over the year. And he's, you know, another five, I think five straight years over 100 points in the league uh, MVPs and, and rings to go along with it at pretty much every level that he's played at. So, um, he's a winner and he's one of the best uh, in the game, if not the best at the, at the lefty shooter spot anyway.
0: Yeah. Phenomenal. You know, what's interesting about Matthews too is that he plays, he, he has this very unique string job. He, he has incredible dangle and hold in that stick. Yeah. You get, if you throw with his stick, you will almost anybody will throw it over the head of the person they're throwing it. To. That's
1: funny. You mentioned that idea yeah, because uh, the captain of the rush, Chris Corbeil, is currently using a stick from Mark Matthews. So anytime that his sticks break and, and Mark's probably got like a, you know, entire closet full of heads uh, jammed in this yeah. uh, house somewhere. A
0: veritable club. Uh,
1: yeah. So Corb's uh, always says like, Hey, mark sticks always throw pretty good for me so i just grabbed mark stick so right now he's using literally he's using this this red head with white mesh and a gold shaft that he was using at the world championships that i guess mark had done up you know with team canada colors and the gold and the red and all the rest of it um so corbs is using this thing wearing lime green and black <laughs> and, and all the rest of it he's getting the gears for that but he he's he's one of those guys that doesn't want to give up uh something that's working for him so mark's um you're right. He likes to play with a super wide head on his on his stick, and when he's not playing and he's kind of walking around, he's always got to stick with him. He jams in a softball in between the low part of his head to keep the thing spread out for whatever reason I don't know. He, but that's what he does. He walks around with a softball kind of wedged into his pocket at all, at all times.
0: Do you remember the finish he had in the World Championships off that ball? Oh, right oh, the...
1: Where he just kind yeah. of
0: like. Hard pumped, like he was gonna go far side high. He's a yeah. lefty, and yeah, then yeah. just face dodged over and just dropped it in. And I mean, th- there needs to be a name for that. I know. I'm still,
1: uh, I'm still, I'm still working on that. I don't, uh I don't know what, quite what to call that. I don't know quite what to call that. This. I mean, he's really one of the only guys I've seen do that.
0: Yeah, and I've seen him do it a couple of times, but I've never really yeah. seen. I, you know what? I saw Gary Gate drop it in like that one time.
1: Well, maybe it's, a, it's a really
0: interesting. I think there's something to do with the footwork, to be honest with you. Because I was kind of like in the kitchen one time getting a late night snack and it just popped into my head. And I, I just started trying to like think about how, how you would need to be stepping to be able to think. Mm. Well, to the me,
1: it's the it's the, the it's the cognitive thought process to go, I'm going to do this. Like when you're right there standing yeah. on a goalie and going, no, no, I'm I'm going to – you know, like guys, crazy. Not many guys would register. And go, okay, this is this is gonna work. I'm gonna do this in a gold medal world championship game. It's crazy. It is. It is
0: crazy. About the Rush and Coach Keenan, who's done a lot yeah. of money. Uh, he's done. A, he's he's won at the junior level with Whitby multiple times in the Minto Cup. He's won multiple championships with the Rush, and I would say they run one of the more Beautiful offenses to watch with the way they move the ball and the way they run what I call nation's looks and where you really aren't looking for the pick and roll as much as you're looking to do the two pass pick and roll where you set a pick and then you swing it. And then the ball comes back to that picker with all kinds of other motions um, layered in there. I mean, talk about a little bit. It's amazing to watch.
1: Yeah, and um, you know, not to take anything away from Jammer or Derek Keenan, uh, you know, who was a phenomenal player in his day as well, winning NOL titles with uh, the Bandits way back when in the '90s, and and of course World Championships with Team Canada as well as the head coach there and and, and as a player. So, um, but I I really need to give Jeff McComb his offensive coordinator a lot of the credit here for that rush offense in in. Getting a kind of a close-up look you know, some something I've always kind of admired and, and watched from afar, but now I get an opportunity to to go to practice and to to go to morning shoot arounds and and watch it up close. And I don't get uh, I don't get too close to the whiteboard or into the huddles or or what have you as far as the conversations go. But watching his offense, not only in practice, but in games as well. Jeff McComb. He's an offensive genius, Jamie, and and I think the smartest offensive mind in box lacrosse. Wow, I'm not even joking. And, and and I hold a lot of guys in high regard. Like Kurt Malowski, to me, is a sensational coach, and and is about as prepared for every situation you're ever going to encounter in in a game, and runs a very smart and effective offense. But the way that Jeff McComb designs his offense is super complex and not everybody can play in it and people get lost in it. They get confused. I mean, there's guys that have been in that offense for two or three years now that still haven't completely figured it out and you'll see it break down from time to time because of that. So how did you describe the offense? Ever evolving, (laughs) ever evolving. It's, it's poetry in motion, man. It's, it's, it's constant movement. And uh, so now, you know, they've had the luxury of of having Mark and Ryan, Derek's son, and uh, Curtis Knight. These guys have all played in the Whippy system for a long time under Jeff and under Derek. So the the offense is rather easy for them to pick up. And then guys like Ben McIntosh and Robert Church and, and Marty Dinsdale have been there a long time. Shatler's fairly new at it. And, and now Connor Robinson as well a regular rotation in that offense. And they've gone from a predominantly strong side on the right with Benny and and, and Churchy and those guys to now playing strong side left because of Connor and the departure of Curtis Knight. So they've kind of flipped the offense around here a little bit. And it's almost like starting from scratch for some of these guys like Matthews and Keenan and Shatler because they're so they've been so used to being able to play the two-man game almost every time out. Now they're playing a the three-man game, and it's so much different. But to get back to Macomb, so he'll have—I don't know how many plays he's got, Jamie. Probably hundreds. But you know his base set offense, and 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 he'll have it. You know, for uh, against New England, we run this, and against Toronto, we run this, and against Calgary, we run this. But then it's the oh, the variations off of the base offense that that gets me most impressed. So he'll he'll have okay that's that's not working. Instead of this, do this, and then so there's the one variation, and then another one will spin off of that, and then even to the point where he'll get in game and he'll just he'll see something like he'll just see okay this guy's hedging here every time that we pass the ball there. So when you see this, boom, do this. Like he's got an answer and a solution for every type of defense and every type of scenario that that defense tries to put the offense in. And sometimes the guys won't go out and execute it properly, but you can be damn sure that the concept and the play is there to be successful. It's just up, you know. Maybe it's a bad pass that handcuffs a guy, or a guy fights through a pick a little harder than, or he didn't set it well enough, or whatever. But he's got a variation and a solution and a, and a and an answer for everything and he does it pre game in game after the game like it just it I'm telling you this guy is a genius when it comes to box across offense
0: I really want to meet this guy
1: you do you really do and I don't even i i i I consider myself a pretty decent coach like I've coached junior at three different levels and i've I've won some games I've been pretty successful i I'm. I'd be in his shadow, like I'm nowhere even close. Nowhere even close to to what he can lay out for you.
0: It's pretty interesting how the Rush have had this predominant, you know, Whippy influence. Of course, that makes sense because coach from Whippy, but -hmm. also Coquitlam Adinacs from that 2010 Minto Cup championship team with Church and McIntosh and um, and one Matthews, right? Matthews played. Yeah, Matthew
1: and Dinsdale. And, and at one point, they actually had Riley Lowen as well. So the entire 2010 Minto Cup power play
0: was on the right, they
1: and they went on, and they went to Sheffield. Pretty crazy, and a, and a couple other.
0: are two of the more underrated players, you know, in my opinion, in the game, in the game of lacrosse much less the
1: game of yeah, it's 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 ridiculous those two and i and i think i don't even know if i've mentioned it on here or not before jamie but church and mcintosh grew, grew up they're the same age they've grown up together uh playing their whole minor together they've won at every you know level coming up through minor then they went a Minto cup together they went off to drexel and spent four years together playing with the dragons together and then they both get drafted to the, the Saskatchewan rush and go on to win another three championships. Together. <laughs> like they're inseparable. They play different teams on, on, in senior A, but that's about it and they're joined at the hip. And, and again, I go back to like, we were talking about Rochester and how there's seven new guys all trying to play offense together that never played together. That's what makes the rush. What the rush are is that these guys are so familiar with each other and know each other's tendencies that the amount of communication that they need to have is, is minuscule because they just know where they're going to be, what they're going to do, when they're there. All
0: right, let's talk a little bit about the Colorado Mammoth. Head coach Pat Coyle won two championships with those Coquitlam Adonacs, a uh, big fan of Pat. Um, just a great guy and a great coach and, and is kind of known for his defense. Uh, yeah. but a little bit about this team and uh, what your expectations are as they as they build
1: their program yeah I mean uh, Pat Coyle one of, one of my idols he's not that much older than me Jamie but uh, just about as fierce as you could get playing the game and, and one of the greatest defenders to ever play the sport really uh, heck of a coach as well he's moved up to the senior level now and, and we'll get to continue to coach a lot of the players that he coached in junior uh, there in Coquitlam but um, you know I think one thing Pat did is, is went out and hired a really good staff and Andrew McBride uh, for his defense and, and the Hall of Famer, Sharon Williams, uh, coaching his offense as well. But it's really about the goaltender there in Colorado and Dylan Ward, and then they kind of built from the back end out there. They're really – their staple of, of that mammoth team is, is defense. they got a lot of big, um, athletic, strong guys uh, that, that impose their will on you. They're a tough defense to penetrate. Um, especially with the system that they play and and they really kind of dictate where you're going to get shots from and, and that's the kind of shots that Dylan Ward wants to see so I think that's how it kind of evolved is is the coaching staff was probably like okay Dylan what kind of shots do you like to see and then they catered their defense around their goaltender and for me their offense is where they may struggle a little bit and and it's early days in the season here, but um, you know, their, their left side in in game one featured, Mm -hmm. I think three rookies and and Eli McLaughlin, Um, you know, they got Malcolm. I'm trying to think uh, of the young guys here now. Um, Wittig, I don't even think played in the first game. Eli McLaughlin, a young guy, but obviously he's like one of their most established offensive guys, Chris Wardle, I don't think was in the lineup for game one. So they're really thin uh, in that opening game, just managed eight against Saskatchewan. And on the other side, Jake Rue, who's uh, continued to to trend upwards and and getting better every year. Kyle Killen, who kind of had a breakout uh, rookie season last year. Ryan Lee, uh, RIT product there that uh, has done some winning at the collegiate level and, and pretty fun little righty to watch play the game as well. But where I'm going with all that is they're very young up front. Um, uh, which which is not gonna be an easy task for them, but they're gonna be in every game because of their defense and because of their goaltender. So I think like the ten, eleven mark for them is really their magic number. If they can hit double digits offensively on most nights, they're gonna have a chance to win. So that's kind of the the method to the madness there, I think, for Pat Coyle is is play really stout and strong defense and and strive for that double-digit uh, goal plateau to to try and win.
0: Can you win in the NLL with a defensive group like that? Has it been done, or is it just kind of like the NFL where it's it can be done, but it's real hard to do?
1: Yeah, like I, I think uh, the Baltimore Ravens, led by Trick Dilfer back in the day there, Jamie, you remember that, that Super Bowl winning team? Yeah. That's kind of the Colorado Mammoth. Okay. right manage it offensively get it done on defense and transition and goaltending and i like i don't want to disrespect any of their old guys right but they're just not heavily laden with superstar guys they just don't have them.
0: yeah well um i love going to mammoth games i go every single time i can i live in denver there's nothing like going to a mammoth game at the pepsi center and uh, yeah the
1: really loud house
0: the loud house man so much fun but by the way what are you guys in town
1: uh, well, we've kicked off the year there, uh, back, uh, end of November. And I know Colorado's coming to Saskatchewan in January. I'm not sure when they're back there, to be honest with you. All
0: right. Let's talk a little bit about the San Diego Seals in their second year, the expansion franchise. You talked about their number one pick, the lottery that they won in getting Austin Stotts, um, I really got a chance to watch this guy play in the 2017 Minto Cup where he was the mVP and he he's a freak I mean the guy the way he plays he's he's tough as they come you know remember the year before actually when 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 they lost to Orangeville and Orangeville made the Minto and he he might have been the best player in the Man Cup as an eighteen year old Yeah. Guy is, he's a freak of a, of, a, of a competitor of a shooter.
1: Um, and just an overall playmaker. It's really yeah.
0: hurt his knee. Hopefully he'll be back soon. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. I I love watching Austin Stotz play, play the game, that's for sure. He's he's a very unique player. There's nobody else really like him that does the kind of things that he does as well. And, again, his, his compete level is off the charts, and I think that's part of what makes him really successful. He just – he goes to the rack harder than a lot of guys. He's just got absolutely zero fear of getting hurt or getting hit and, and plays the game at hundred miles an hour and, and then plays with a ton of skill as well. So uh, San Diego hasn't been the same team since he's, he's been hurt. And I think he's been working out like an absolute animal. I don't think they want to rush Austin back. I want to make sure, you know, they, they protect their prize asset because uh, he's got a long career ahead of him and, and, they may suffer a little bit without him and, and uh, they're missing Casey Jackson. who's dealing with some concussion stuff. Uh, they don't have Garrett Billings signed. I'm not sure what's going on there. They lost Dan Dawson to free agency. Uh, so some turnover there. They get Zach Greer out of retirement. Um, you know, Buchanan is there. Uh, but Berg. Yeah. But West Berg, a huge addition who's, who's been phenomenal through their first two games um, So they look pretty good in in Buffalo, excuse me, to start the year, and then they kind of didn't look so good against Toronto last weekend. So I'm not really sure exactly where to kind of peg San Diego quite yet. I think they'll definitely be better when when they get some of their offensive players back, but they may kind of muddle along here a little bit until that happens. And
0: it kind of rests on
1: Frank Chiliano's shoulders and goal there to to kind of keep that team in games, and, and then hopefully they can get enough offensive uh, production. I don't know if you saw this just announced yesterday, Jamie. Uh, you seen this? Rumble on the runway? Did you see this?
0: Yeah, yeah I saw that. This
1: looks absolutely insane, man. So they are going to play a first time ever a national lacrosse, league, professional lacrosse game outdoors in San Diego on the tarmac of a Marine base. So they're going to throw boards up, netting, glass, stands, all of it. There's still going to be jets and helicopters and whatever flying around uh, the airfield there in San Diego while this game's going on. Uh, Joe Sigh has invited all the season ticket holders and all the men and service men and women to come. I think it's going to be like about 5,000 people. This is incredible. This is, like, history, and I can't wait to see this. I'm going to play the Warriors on February the 22nd uh, in San Diego on an Air Force base or Marine airstrip landing. Crazy.
0: Wow, really cool. I, I actually went to a, uh, a Seals game versus the Wings last year. Okay. We were on our spring break with Thunder Ridge High School. And um there was a game in a uh, great place to watch a game. It was it was an awesome, uh awesome game, awesome venue. Um I love the SEALs uh colors and logos. Well, of
1: course, yeah. I mean it goes without saying right purple and gold, uh, all the way. Yeah.
0: No question. Um let's also talk about the pickup they had, a big pickup in Jeremy Noble. Yeah, that was a decent yeah. for a righty, a ready forward from the Colorado Mammoth. It was probably yeah veterans but uh talk well about- jeremy
1: again you know former number two overall pick uh by the nighthawks way back when before being dealt uh to colorado but i don't know what happened with the little dude.er you know he's a mental cup champion with orangeville uh, as their captain back then as well and um I recruited him I, to the University of Denver too, by the way. Well, you are a very good recruiter, apparently. <laughs> Mark Matthews and, and Jeremy Noble. Uh, uh, you, you know what? I don't know. I don't know what happened. If they, if it was just, uh, you know, you, you're a coach, and you know, sometimes certain players just don't mesh with certain coaches. And I've had my fair share, and, and I'm sure you have too. And and players that have really liked you, and some players that maybe haven't liked you so much. And, and I think that's just human nature. And, and for whatever reason, Jeremy and, and and Pat just didn't seem to mix. And Jeremy had a really tough year in Colorado last year. Really tough year. And was just kind of like cast aside. Like, okay, you, you need a fresh start somewhere. And San Diego is where he landed. And he gets back with his old Denver teammate there in Westburg. And I think it's going to be great for Jeremy to, to get a fresh start and, and get back with uh, – a guy that obviously knows him very well, and Josh Sanderson being another Orangeville guy, he knows what Jeremy Noble is all about, what makes him tick, and I'm surrounded by some guys that'll insulate him a little bit as well, where he doesn't have to be the man. And uh, I think he's going to fit in nicely there in San Diego. And and uh, he had a couple of goals in his first game, which I think actually matched his goal total for about three quarters of the season there last year. So uh, off to a pretty good start. Uh, didn't get anything last weekend, but um, I think in the right spot there for, for Jer. He
0: is a, he's a great guy. I got a chance to, I did get a chance to coach him with the Atlanta blaze. Hunts had him on the roster. Um, he was a, you know, Dave Huntley was a huge Jeremy Noble fan and believer. And I, I get it. I mean, you know, that guy, he is a winner and he is a great. Well, and
1: he changed Like he really in that, that world championship in Denver, he was the quarterback, right? Like, he really changed the dynamic of that, taking the ball to X as a MIDI and kind of flipped that whole USA defense on its head. And that
0: – he was the
1: guy, right? He was the catalyst to kind of all that. Yeah, they needed a next guy
0: because the problem with the, the Canadians is that they're lefties or righties. And, 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 and it's nice to have a two-handed guy behind the net who can really feed it. And while he's not really a two-handed guy, he can really feed it. He, he, can play he got
1: the job done. He got the job done.
0: You know, another uh, forward on this team that I'm really uh, pulling for is Connor Fields. This guy is just a magical player. Coming off of Neandre himself, played last year, kind of came back in the middle of the year, and and I think he made an impact. But uh, this past summer, boy, with the PLL, he was, uh, you know, Attackman of the Year or up there amongst the best players, probably top five player in the league. Uh, I think it was Attackman of the Year while Rambo was Player of the Year. Um, Yeah, yeah. He's a pretty magical player. Um amazing to think that he was on the same attack unit as Lyle Thompson.
1: Yeah, that's pretty uh pretty nuts. And and like I think he played a senior year on a on a torn ACL. Yeah, that crazy. Uh so I think he's very similar to to Matt Rambo, who you just mentioned. The more box games that they play, the more they're gonna figure it out. And when you're that good at lacrosse, whether it's field or box or whatever, if you're just good at lacrosse you just need repetition and, and Connor, you know, went out of his way to play a couple of games with Oakville after his junior year in the summer and get some experience knowing that he was going to be an NLL guy. And, and uh, I just think the more games and more reps that he plays, he's, he's going to become one of those upper, upper echelon guys in the league that you talked about when you're talking about the best in the game, Connor Fields will be in that conversation, but I want to say it's going to take him, Two three years before he gets to that.
0: Yeah, I can see it. Uh, he's got he's got a heck of a lot of repertoire in his game. I mean, he's an elite feeder, and his use of deception is among the best. Yeah. I think that's yeah. really uh, pay dividends for him. No, he's a highway
1: yeah. reel waiting to happen, man. Yeah.
0: All right, let's finish up with the Vancouver Warriors.
1: Yeah, uh, the Warriors probably one of the teams I know better than most, uh, being being in my neck of the woods. Um, Starting their second year down at uh, Rogers Arena with with the new ownership and, and new coaching staff and GM and all the rest of it there and uh, got a win last week over the Riptide which which they desperately need. I, mean, I, I the fan base here is a fickle is one, as you know. It's a it's a huge lacrosse market with a lot of history and tradition here, but the team that's been here in Vancouver with the Stealth and now the Warriors have not done a lot of winning since they've been here and uh for them to get wins and then more importantly get home wins is, is crucial for their success and um they got that last weekend they got to carry that over and and it's you know they've struggled because they haven't had draft picks for the last four or five years they're on the horizon of getting a first round pick in next year's draft which will surely help them because i mean that's the only way to really build your team in the lls is, is through the draft and having high picks and when you're finishing near the bottom of the standings year after year and you don't have first-round picks, that's not a good combination to have. And and that's where Vancouver has really struggled. So I think they have better depth than they've had in a long, long time there with Stealth and um, even down in Everett. So the, the depth is starting to come back. The draft picks will start to trickle back in here. But I still think they're, they're going to be in, in tough in a Western division that features – Saskatchewan and Calgary, uh, near the top. And then you're looking at, uh, Colorado, San Diego, Vancouver, kind of all fighting uh, for that third spot there, I would say. And and we'll see how it shakes down. Like I'm a big Mitch Jones fan, uh, for sure. I'm a huge Matt Beers fan for sure. And and now some guys are starting to get opportunities that, um, similar to what we talked about in Rochester with the, the Lomas's and the the Haywire's Guys like Keegan Ball and, and Jordan McBride are starting to get opportunities with Vancouver and, and making the most of them, uh, both scoring 30 goals last year. So uh, the, the future, they're definitely trending in the right direction for the stealth. And uh, I think Eric Penny is probably the goaltender of the future there. And uh, they just they just need to kind of keep on the path they're going and then make good on their draft picks in, in the coming years here.
0: Well, there's a big draft pick coming out next year. Left right.
1: well, hey, uh I know who you're talking about, Jeff Teed. And and unfortunately for Vancouver, I think New York is probably gonna be the team that gets that pick. But let's not forget about a kid right here in my neck of the woods, the captain of the junior ad next the Drexel Dragon and okay. Reed Bowery. If I can get this guy at number two, I'm pleased as punch, man, because I think he is a cornerstone player. That you can build your franchise around for years to come. Huge repowering film.
0: Yeah, great guy, great player. He's another guy that you're talking about that, you know, he could have easily been on a power play.
1: Well, that's um, what I'm
0: talking about. Like this, like he's like Challen
1: Rogers, he, man. Like he's MVP the next.
0: league when he was an
1: intermediate. Yeah, he's the next Challen Rogers. He's a lefty, but he's the next Challen Rogers. Yeah,
0: very cool. Well, uh, Jake, thank you so much for uh, taking the time and coming on and talking NLL lacrosse. It's always awesome to listen to your insights and your knowledge. And uh, for those people out there, tune in to listen to the Saskatchewan Rush, the voice of the Rush. Jake Elliott, you'll learn something about lacrosse and, and, and have a great time watching.
1: Yeah, and if uh, if you want to listen to my podcast as well, Jamie, you can do that uh, every Tuesday. It comes out via Lax All Stars uh, Lax Class on Twitter, Lacrosse Classified on Instagram, and if you fo- want to follow yours truly, I on every social media platform, my email, even my gamer tag on Xbox, Jamie at pxp the number four sports is where you can find me.
0: Pxp for sports, Jake Elliott. Jake, thanks so much, man. It was
1: great. My pleasure, man. Good to talk with you and anytime, Jimmy. Happy holidays to you, by the way, buddy. We will talk soon. You bet.
0: The Philacrossity Podcast is made possible in part by the JM3 Video Assessment Tool. There's no question that video is critical to player development. One way or another, your son or daughter must utilize video to
1: learn their game and the game. To learn more, see video testimonials, or register, go to www.jm3sports.com forward slash video right now.